What's up, everybody? This is Marlins in-game host, Mike B., and you're listening to Fish Across the Pond, Marlins UK podcast with Peter Pratt. Cheers from the 305. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Fish Across the Pond. It's a Marlins UK podcast and I am your host, Peter Pratt. Joining me this week, two UK goats are in the house, Sean Barrett. Well, the ever-present now, I'd say. Sean Barrett, how are we doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I've uh, broken out the glove and started to take some grounders at short, just in yeah. case. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's either you or Aguilar, I believe, is next uh, next man up at the short, so... Yeah, good. Keep working on those ground balls, mate. Watch those teeth, for sure. Bumpy, bumpy grass uh, in the UK. Uh, cleanup man returns, Rob Newell. Rob, how are we doing? Really, really well and very excited for the coming of Jesus. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's not mess about. Let's get straight into it. Um, we record, as always, on a Tuesday. It is 20 past 10, uh, our time. Uh, the Euros game with France and Germany has just ended. And we are going to talk about Jesus Sanchez now. He's been called up. Well, no, he hasn't officially, but I've just been on the pregame presser and there was all sorts of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Basically, Jesus Sanchez is coming to town. Um, sounds like the corresponding uh, move is uh, Corey Dickerson's going to hit the IL. So Donnie did confirm that Dickerson's hitting the IL. And... He didn't go into any great depth about the time of stint, but uh, he wasn't optimistic, was my my read of that. And so it sounds like it could be a lengthy stint on the IL for Corey Dickerson. Um, I know he's had a foot issue before in 2019. Uh, it sounds like a similar issue. But listen, we wish Corey well, for sure. We hope to see him back. Um, clearly, he's on an expiring deal unlikely to be extended. So I think the Marlins were considering whether there's a trade opportunity with him or not. This may scupper that a bit like a few years with Jose Arena, if I recall, where it was kind of near the deadline, Arena got injured and that was the end of that. So anyway, let's get into Jesus Sanchez. It's the biggest news. He's been the biggest hitter, uh, the hottest hitter in minor league baseball, I guess, apart from June. I think he's, he's cooled slightly in June, but the first few months, Jesus Sanchez has been blazing. Rob Newell, I'll come to you first, buddy, as our, our minor league expert. What have you seen from Jesus this year? I know you've been watching a lot of minor leagues. And let's look back to last year. Short stint, cup of coffee, as they say in, in the majors, in a in a 60-game sprint, struggled a bit. Are you expecting different results this time around? Yeah, I, th I thought actually the, the criticism of, of his struggles last year was a little bit unfair. He had 10 games, which wasn't a lot. And, um, you, you know, the, within that, yes, his, his numbers aren't, aren't worth looking at. What has happened this year is that he obviously had an injury issue. So we, we missed him through spring training. When he came back into the, the Jumbo Shrimp squad, he was explosive, properly explosive home runs everywhere, out of the grounds, uh, you know, on base. His average was, you know, ridiculous, sort of, uh, you know, above 500, 
um, slugging percentage, you know, over one. It was just just bonkers. Yeah. Um, yes, it has cooled down slightly, and he has had games where, you know, he hasn't had a hit and, and bits and pieces, but it still doesn't take away that most games he is on base regularly. And just just to clarify his stats, he's had played thirty three games. Well, take that into consideration of what wasn't there last year. So he didn't have a season last year. Um, out of his 129 at-bats, that's left him with a, with a 350 average. It's left him with an on-base percentage of, of 400. Um, it's left him with a slugging percentage of nearly 650 and an OPS then therefore of over one. So when you're hitting like that consistently and regularly, then it is time to be called up. The other thing is him, he's been great out in the field as well. Absolutely fantastic, reliable, good arm. Um, yeah, it's, um, it is time for him to come up. The other thing just to, to, to knit all this together was that we were talking about the start of the season. What happens if the season starts to fall off and, and, and what does our outfield look at? Does players like Dickerson get traded, maybe Marte, uh, Duval, etc.? Well, now we're going to get a bit of a taste of it a bit earlier to see whether Sanchez can do it. There has been many incidents incidents in the past where someone has absolutely rocked it at AAA, come in and then not been able to do it. In more recent times, we've seen Nissan Diaz, Peter O'Brien. Um, you know, uh, there's been quite a few there that you can kind of sort of start to feed back and go, oh, yeah, they were really good, but the step up was just too much. The, mm -hmm. the level of pitching is a bit more, you know, intense. Um, the, the grounds are, uh, are bigger. You've got to hit it further. Um, best, you, you're playing against the best of the best, where in the AAA there, there is, there's a, a skills difference. Um, so it, this is the time. Um, but the stats don't lie at the moment. He should not be in AAA at all. Just one other sort of last thing um, within that as well is that um, his strikeouts are really, really low. And I'll just give you a comparison between a couple of players, just to just to give you that kind of sort of uh, uh, sort of bearing. Is that um, when I say really, really low, it's um, you know there's it's not like like silly sort of uh, he's not striking out at all. But for somebody of a what I'm talking about, a hard contact hitting player, yeah. he's not striking out as much as what you would think. So um, he uh, Monte Harrison struck out 36 times. Sanchez has struck out 27 times in a very similar sort of... Harrison's had about sort of 40 less at-bats. So right. you've got two very, very similar outfielders that we've been comparing against. Mm -hmm. It just shows the discipline with Sanchez is better than maybe what someone like Harrison is at the moment. Well, there's a couple of follow-up points and questions to dive into, but you make an interesting point there because clearly Jesus has had a terrific start of the year, clearly. And uh, he deserves the chance. You know, we've had, you've got Cooper Loop on the IL. Corey Dickerson's now on the IL, probably a long stint. So, you know, I think Brintz may still be, because he was sent down, I don't think the window works. So it all points to Jesus Sanchez comes up. But the point you made there is Monte Harrison. Obviously, clearly Monte last year, had more of a run at it. He was more of that guy that was kind of on the cusp. Um, 
and no one's clearly clamoring for Monte to be back. And it's interesting they've kind of turned to, to Jesus first as the first kind of guy up. Obviously, like I said, Brinson, I don't think can. It would have been interesting if Brinson could have been brought back up, whether they went back to Brins um, or not. But as you said, Jesus, he deserves the chance. In 33 games, OPS over 1,000 or whatever it is, it's time. Here's the other interesting wrinkle. Clearly, he's predominantly been playing in right field. Um, Adam Duvall, so again, on the pregame presser today, uh, Donnie was alluding to the fact that du Duvall's going to stick there in right field. He's been gold glove caliber there. So it sounds like Jesus is going to be playing left field. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that he's actually been playing a little bit in left field too in AAA. They've kind of gave him a, you know, a start or two a week. So they were kind of thinking ahead maybe, you know, maybe Corey Dickerson is the one that they would probably move on if they could opening open a spot for Jesus Sanchez. So have you seen him in left? Does he look okay in left field? Again, he's, he's, there's not been... Um, uh, I have seen him there. They've been... The other thing with Jacksonville has been is that they've had to, because of the situation of players like Brinson coming down and then back up again and all that mix and match, there has been quite a lot of squads sort of changes here and there. There's, it's quite, you know, there was um, the other day, sort of Davis Bradshaw came up from Jupiter and then came back down again. There's all sorts of odd moves there just to fill in gaps. Um, so, yeah, I have seen him play there. And again, Obviously, it's not his natural position, but you're not really going to notice much difference, um, I think, within that. But anybody who is an outfielder does have to mix and match it at some point yeah. because of injuries. So if he's going to be in there, then, then, then he's, he, he's got to, you know, obviously in the long run, left field is not his, it's going to be the, the days, isn't it? And he, he will be in the right field, but... Um, at the moment, uh, I think the the case with Sanchez, as you said, he just needs a, a proper run. Yeah. And while he's hot, and yeah, I know he's cooled off slightly, but uh, the the way that actually the other thing I didn't say is that the it's quite clear that when he was really really hot, the pitchers were being really nervous with him. His mm -hmm. walks start to tick up, and it was quite you know there's in, there's a couple instances where he'd have sort of four or five pitch walks, and you think yeah they're not really pitching to him properly. Yeah. Yeah, he was too hot. He was too yeah. he was too scorching. They were too scared. Um, Sean Barrett, listen, Jesus is on his way. We, we're not clear. We haven't even seen the lineup for tonight either. But you know, if Corey Dickerson's down. There's a there's a good chance they'll try and get him here. Um, you know, from your perspective, mate, what's the excitement levels like like for you know our well effectively our hottest prospect hitting wise? You know, joining the big league club now in you know in in, in mid June. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, we're very excited. He came in with the Trevor Richards and Nick Anderson trade. He was a top 100 uh, prospect when we brought him onto the squad. So it was always the intention was that this is a guy that's going to be coming up um, sooner rather than later. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Roberts said everything about what Sanchez has done, you know, hitting 350, 400, 643, slash line, nine home runs. Yeah, he's cooled down a little bit in, in June, but you can't hit 500 for forever. Um, and players are going to, you know, like Rob said, pitchers are going to start, you know, walking him and just saying, look, you, you, we don't want to face you. Uh, as far as coming up to the squad, um, to the major league squad, 
it's like you said, it is a situation where he's going to have to be playing every day. Mm-hmm. And with, like you said, with Dickerson and the injury, if it is that foot injury, unfortunately, that might see him on the IL till after the trade deadline, mm-hmm. which means when we do not re-sign him, that's, you know, he'll stay, he'll stick with squad, but that's, it's a shame for the Marlins that realistically, maybe there wasn't much of a trade market for him, but I'm sure there was something that they could have got for him. That's probably been and gone now. Yeah. One thing I do want to say about Sanchez coming up, you know, it's a situation where he's coming up to a squad that's struggling, you know, with several games under 500. We've got injuries left, right and centre. He's not coming, he's not going to come and hit, you know, 20 home runs and save the season. This is all about, is he a major league player? Yeah. And and I think that's what he needs to come up and say, look, here I am, this is who I am, um, and this is what I can do. I'm not here to be the, you know, knight in shining armour, but what I can prove to you is that I deserve to be here. Yeah. I mean, is it just going to be, you look at it and go, listen, can you hit 260? Can you hit 260 with a bit of power and, you know, just an element of production, just kind of sit, you know, it'd be interesting to see where they kind of put him in the lineup as well. Where's he been hitting for, uh, for AAA in the lineup? I guess he's probably like cleanup spot or something. Is he there or? Uh, yeah. So off the top of my head, I haven't got a game up here to compare against, but he has been always up the top of the order. Yeah. Um, Which makes yeah. sense. Um, sort of, uh, yeah, sort of either clean up or, or, or second, third. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's opened very much from the games I've seen. But um, but even so, he, he, because of the, always what you want is somebody on base and then him to come in because that's the idea of, of you, you get that instant quick boost. Um, I think you, with this one, you, you're going to want to take the pressure off him a little bit in some ways, but not kind of stick him down in the eight hole, right, where you're working with the pitcher and all that type of stuff. So for me, I, I think the logical thing here is you know, you've got your one, two, three that's set in stone in the main. I know Jazz hitting the cleanup spot yesterday, but, you know, Jazz, Marte, Aguilar, that's your one, two, three that's pretty solid. And I think Dickerson's obviously been hitting cleanup. I think you just shunt up Duval in that spot, probably. Duval goes into cleanup. You probably shunt up uh, Georgie Alfaro if he's hitting that day into the five hole, who's looked good, by the way, Alfaro. I've liked in, in general what I've seen from him. Not heard his name talked about a lot, which says he's probably doing okay. And then maybe Jesus slots in there around the six kind of hole, bit of power. Um, and then you kind of round it off with some speed guys. So I'm intrigued to see how they, they play it, um, where they play him. But for me, I think he's going to be playing every day. I mean, listen, there's, there's no, there's only mags, mags will kind of slot in here, there and everywhere, but you know, Jesus Sanchez is going to get a real run. Um, just on another guy I want to get into guys who, who's had a run is, is Isan Diaz too. So you mentioned in reality, he's the last uh, big star from AAA hitting wise that we kind of came up and were hoping to see production from. Um, Rob, he, he's getting pretty much an everyday run now at third base. Obviously, BA's on the 60, so BA's out now until July at least, uh, mid July probably. I, I'm not sure of the exact dates, but it means Isan's getting a full look. So, what you're seeing from Isan there in terms of both at third base, which is where he's kind of been shunted to. Uh, and secondly, what about this offensive side? And, and, and thirdly, sorry, this kind of issue of, of the base running issue, which is, is kind of been 
it's been poor on the base paths, I'd say, for the last uh, few weeks. Yeah, the, to deal with that final one, um, that's the, it's been a bit of a shock, and it's been mm. quite good that that has been talked about a lot. Being the, the pickoffs at first base, which is which is kind of like the one of the big stories you're hearing, not just in in any sort of Marlins type press, but on the podcasts uh, around as well, is very very strange. And the last podcast I was on, uh, on the last Fish Cross Pond, I remember Sean was saying about like John Bertie, you know. How on earth is he, you know, that guy who was still like, I think in like the top three fastest, you know, from to first base, not, you know, not being out of steel bases. Mm. Is it teams are really, really concentrating against us or what? Or, and I, I think that is, I think we, I think we took certain teams by surprise with how aggressive we were at the start. And they're, they're just, they're watching for it. I think they're, they're trained up against us to know that we, are going to be trying to steal base all the time. And if that's the case, you've got chances for pickoffs. And I don't think we've got wise to it. So I'm glad that's been sort of nailed down. And a few other bits of confusion, which is quite strange, because from last year, we we were really, really, uh, the, the, I thought, almost the kings of that. Uh, we, you know, there was a couple of times that I remember getting, remember was it uh, where Monte got caught up between home and third base, I managed to escape yeah. last season. Was that against the Cubs? And it was it was uh, it was an incredible. Uh, that kind of stuff isn't happening at the moment. We don't. From what was we were supposed to be a running game team, we don't seem to have it. And I think we need to get. It does annoy me when you see like Jonathan VR, you know, seem to gets away with it every time. And why are we not, you know, able to do something like that? We just need to get it sorted. Um, in regards to Isan, I think um, it is purely to do with getting a run in the team. And also, I think there was the problems of last year and the odd injury issue as well, I think caused a lot of instability with him. Mm. There was a bit of negativity we saw around sort of the Marlins Twitter and stuff about his commitment and bits and pieces. But it's quite clear that since he gets a run in the team, he started to heat up a bit. He's on base a lot more. He's, he's at the plates. He's not sort of swatting at flies. And he looks a lot more confident. And, and the interesting thing is that with BA being out, yes, you can have John Bertie in at third base, but when you're so short of troops, then that the fact that he's been out to come in, I tell you what, his arm doesn't look bad. He's not no. making mistakes. No. There's not like a load of errors going through there. And he looks like a natural skilled infielder, the kind of t- player that we kind of train, you know, trade for. You know, quick, good arm, athletic, and so it's suddenly turning. You know, can this story completely turn all the way around, and that he ends up becoming maybe a, a super util like John Bertie? Obviously, you wouldn't put him in the outfield, but you know, a nice sort of infield utility player that you can move about. How excellent would that would be? That means you don't have to compromise someone like you know uh, Jazz. Jazz can be shortstop, second base, whatever he's the hottest in, you just leave him in there. Because you can move Diaz about when you've got injuries. And so, you know, this story is turning on his head. But I did notice that, um, you know, even he has got hotter, his numbers still aren't amazing. Just for last week on its own, he's only hitting 200. But yes, there are three hits in that. And the, the biggest thing is there that four walks in there yeah, and so that's that's the discipline at the plate. So yeah, the numbers aren't still brilliant, 
but clearly there's a, this this he's he's turning it around yeah it's it's a real it's interesting i i'm glad he's getting the run i think that's what i'm pleased that a bit like with jesus sanchez now we're, we're gonna get a chance to have a proper look at it Unfortunately, we're not gonna we're not seeing the same with Lewin Diaz. Clearly, he's kind of was brought up out of necessity to effectively fill a bench spot. Um, we'll get into that shortly, how that worked out over the weekend. But you know, with Isan, I think we're gonna have a good view by the end of this year whether Isan is part of the future and whether he is gonna be a Marlin long term in general. I think there's gonna be enough of a sample size to start to get your head around you know, what kind of player is Isan Diaz gonna be. Clearly, he's been shunned over the third, like you said, Rob. I, I don't think he's really missed a beat there. He's looked predominantly pretty good, I'd say, at third. There was a there was a big play uh, against the Braves. Acuna absolutely scorched one at him um, and, you know, gloved that. I think it was expected batting average of about 750. So, you know, three out of four times, that one's probably a double. Um, and, uh, you know, good glove work. Just the thing is with Isan, I'm, I'm trying to work out What's going on with these pickoffs? Is he, is it mental lapses? Is he overthinking? Is he not, is he not thinking? Is he just, is his mind wandering? Is he having VR moments? Like what's going on there? The other thing I must say, there are times when uh, for me in big spots, like clutch spots, I'm not seeing enough from Diaz. I think that's the, the gripe I've got with him is when you've got runners on, my, and I haven't got numbers in front of me, but my sense is that those are the times, a bit like what Corey Dickerson's doing this year, runners in scoring position or runners on base, a lot of strikeout, a lot of strikeout from Diaz, way too, way too much. And so for me, those are the true test moments. And I, I, I'm on the, I mean, you got to look at it now. He's hitting 150 this year. So, you know, clearly that's not sustainable. Um, but like you said, Rob, he's taking his walks. Um, he's getting a full run. Is the confidence going to grow? Is it? I mean, we've seen him homer off DeGrom, Scherzer, some bum from the Brewers, but it was a salami. So, you know, listen, are they flukes? I don't think so. The talent's there. You just got to unlock it with Diaz. Just got to find a way to unlock it. I remember James Rousen saying to me last year, you know, in one of the presses, I said to him, Who's it, who surprised you when, when you came into this organization Who's better than you expected? And he said, listen, Isan Diaz, he's miles better than I thought he was. He's, he's a real talented dude. So it's there. Just need to unlock it. Um, Sean, I want to get into, I want to get into the short bench. We've been, listen, these injuries have been brutal and a constant flow. That's been the challenge is there's just a constant flow. The Marlins have been playing with a three-man bench. Yesterday with Corey Dickerson and this foot injury, it was a two-man bench. I mean, that is in NL baseball, that is just you can't you can't have that. You really can't. It's such the problem is they had Braxton Garrett pitching, so that was the clear problem. They wanted another arm, but you can't go two-man bench, can you? I mean, you just you just can't do that in close games. Uh, no, to begin with, you can't. Uh, it's a sign of the times. I mean, we've spoken over the last couple of weeks and months about how you know, 2021 injuries are, you know, they're happening everywhere. I see another couple of players, uh, was it Magwidal, go down for the season. Um, and you've got a couple of pitchers, um, you know, going down with potential Tommy John. 
it's, yeah, Glasnow. Glasnow yeah. just um, looks like he's done. Scherz has gone the IL today as well. As you, as you mentioned, yeah, Madrigal from the White Sox is on the 60-day, probably done most of the year. I mean, you know, injuries are everywhere, right? So, but yeah. But the, the, the issue is with the short bench, I mean, you look at yesterday, you know, we had man on, you know, one out, and we bring in a pinch hit pitcher. Yeah. Who then, you know, strikes out trying to bunt. Now, I get the, the concept. You don't want to blow your, your backup catcher because you may need him later in the game. You've got Lewin Diaz who's struggling and also as a lefty on lefty. You don't really want to see that. Um, so you bring in the pitcher, try and bunt the guy over and, you know, you've got a man in scoring position. But it's talking of the bunt, which also resulted in a double play. It did. Uh, Isan... Um, yeah, with his poor base running. These are all basics. These are all fundamentals that you've got to question what's going on. I mean, talking about um, Isan, there used to be a first baseman, a first base coach, Harry Hill, who was with the Marlins and the Florida, Miami Marlins and the Florida Marlins. And he was known along the league as one of the best infield defensive guys. And when he was he was not uh, tendered a contract. And I think he went to Seattle. There were people chatting around the league going, what are the Marlins doing? You know, this guy is absolutely key to them. And I've got to harken back all the way to that and say, you know, beginning of spring training, the first couple of days, all you'd ever hear about is all we care about is the fundamentals, you know, get laying down the bunt, you know, what you're doing on the bases. And, in the early days of my baseball, I'm like, does that really matter? They should know what they're doing. But clearly, it's very important. And I've got to question the Marlins with what they are doing. <laughs> Could I just say, it's such a, a funny topic. As it just come off the, the pregame presser, uh, Ross Detweiler was um, the player uh, up the, you know, for this uh, pregamer. Um, there was a lot of questions about the sticky stuff and whatnot, you know, he was just the unlucky guy, the pitcher of the day that, that got a lot of these questions. But anyway, I, I rounded it off the session asking him about hitting because, you know, Detweiler is a reliever, you know, clearly yeah, he's seen more at bats this year than he would have ever expected to. I'm sure of that, you know, with the short bench injuries said to him, you know, have you been working on your hitting in any capacity or any more than normal? Because listen, it's, it's likely almost that you're going to be needed to hit. He went, absolutely no, zero <laughs> percent. So, I mean, which kind of caught me slightly off guard, actually. I was, I was thinking, well, clearly you shouldn't be in that position unless something's gone wrong. But the way the roster's constructed right now, you're needed to hit more regularly than you've ever needed to. So get out there and go and practice some bunts. You know, I don't know. But listen, even when you bunt it, I mean, we saw that Braves guy the other day try and put a bunt down, completely missed it and hit him right in the hand. So, um, you know, even even the hitters are struggling to bunt, let alone the pitchers. But yeah, this short bench, I mean, you're right, that, that moment, it felt like a tipping point moment for the Marlins there. Two-man bench, you bring in John Curtis to put down a bunt, he struck out and then Isan Diaz is picked off. You kind of turn around and look and you go, what are we doing here? Like, Tied game in the seventh against the Cardinals that are scuttling. Um, you know, you just, it's shocking to be in that position. It truly is. And I think, listen, we know what we've got coming up now. We know we've got Trevor. We know we've got Sandy the next two days. Jesus will be, will be called up to replace Dickerson. 
And I think they'll then make another move to get an infielder into. So there'll be, I think, two moves today. Um, who have they got up in and around with the squad? Moreiro, was it? Was that yeah, the rumour yesterday? Yeah, Devin Moreiro's up. So I, yeah. I think he's travelled. So I think the, the gut feel is that the pitcher that they added will probably be DFA today and then Moreiro will be added and have some infield depth. So, you know, it's so tough. Like Donnie spoke in a lot of depth today about this, the 40-man the problem with the, the injuries and you don't, they don't want to lose any guys. Um, and equally yesterday he said, listen, we wanted, he said with Braxton Garrett, we'll come to him in a sec with Braxton. We, we don't know what we're going to get. Truly we could get, you know, he, he may not get out the first inning. It's possible. And so you need the bullpen guys there on that day to make sure they get through the game and not burn Yimmy Garcia down six and he's pitching in the eighth inning or something like he said, that's, that's just the call we had to make. Protect, you know, if we, it hurt us on the day, but we're protecting the next two or three, I think was the view Donnie had. Which, you know, they're tough calls. I mean, you know, two-man bench, it's just, you can't be doing that. You really can't. It's, uh, it's tough. Um, so let's, let's get into Brax, though, because, listen, we've had two starts at Brax the last, last week or so. Um, I personally think he's, Pitch well. What? Where do you sit on Brax, Sean? Uh, yeah, well, well is probably as as far as I will be. Yeah, maybe that's go. too far. Yeah. yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, he went four innings in his first start and four and a third uh, yesterday. Eight base runners in both of the games. A uh, couple of strikeouts in both of the games. He's he's pitched okay, and um, I think one of the promising things was that yesterday his curveball, which is an, an important pitch for him, he was throwing for strikes. And, um, you know, he's throwing, you know, 77 pitches in his first game, 70 in his second. He is, at the moment, keeping his job as far as he'll get another run. And, um, and until, until he shows otherwise, I think he's, he's got to stick with the squad. What about our other man? I mean, listen, that Saturday performance from Zach Thompson. Boy, oh boy, what a showing from Zach Thompson not only with the ball and with the arm, but his first hit as well, if I recall. Big spot to big hit. I mean, that was, I mean, on a UK-friendly Saturday evening, um, what a performance from Zach Thompson, truly. Yeah, no, he pitched well. Five scoreless innings, uh, five strikeouts. Only threw 66 pitches. So I don't know whether he was just not fully uh, worked out because... Um, Bass gave up a couple of runs later in the game, nearly uh, nearly spoiled for us again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and no, hopefully he can he can come in for his next start. Uh, probably looking at another UK friendly Saturday game. Um, you could probably go either Thompson or Garrett. I'd be interested to see what they actually do. Um, but if it is Thompson, then yeah, I, I'll be interested to see if he can get to 80, 85 pitches and see if we can get him to go at least six. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see those guys. I mean, you know, other guys are working their way back, but the way things are trending, you know, Thompson and, and Garrett kind of plug them in, let them roll. I mean, you know, clearly Cody Petit performed well too, so let's see where Petit lands. Uh, Rob, what we've also seen as well this week, uh, Eddie Cabrera making a rehab start or two. Uh, I think he was down in high A, I think, Eddie Cabrera, and he was, <laughs> it's fair to say, um the hitters were a little bit overmatched against Eddie Cabrera there. He was, uh, I think, maybe three innings and, and eight Ks 
Um, I mean, clearly we've got aspirations of him pitching at the major league level, I think even right now. So high A clearly is, uh, is, you know, it's, it's not the right level, but, you know, encouraging to see, but um, how do you see, you know, this rotation kind of sticking out right, right now for the kind of near term? Yeah, I'd be a little bit, yeah, obviously it was an in, in, incredible comeback, um, but with him and Sixto, it's really, really clear that there is, is proper cotton wool moments with them. So rushing them back is obviously not on their minds. On that basis, it's quite clear the Marlins aren't going to trade for anybody because they would have done it by now, um, or they don't think there's anybody on there that, that can do it. And that's why you've got Braxton Garrett coming up. That's why you've got Zach Thompson starting. So you really are still reliant on the sort of the core of those sort of that, that original pitching rotation come back. We've obviously seen the issue that poor old Alicia Hernandez has you know, come back one start and, and those kind of problems. And you've got to hope, you know, with the, just as we're talking about Scherzer and Glass now, um, you know, it'd be interesting just, just as a side point on the Rays, you know, how well they've done. And Glass now has been there de Grom. Yeah. And um, that's, that's a real, real tough blow. Um, we've got to hope that our core three keep it together despite Pablo's rocky Braves moments at the moment. Um, and then after then what you're going to be building in there is really tricky. Yes, maybe by August, Edward Cabrera is, is in that rotation. Maybe Sixto's got to the point that he can come back too. But I'm not so sure. And I still think we've got proper proper gaps until then. And it does feel like we're with with something missing. Is Braxton Garrett right now? Or should we, you know, be letting him have his time at AAA to form himself into that player? The same issue with Nick Nider. Nick Nider's the interesting one where you kind of think, really, this is his opportunity to take it. Mm. And really should be up there with them. They're going to have to keep mix, mixing, matching. So I've, I've I've gone around the subject because I really don't know how it's going to look. Yeah. And um, because so of these, it's, it's it's really really difficult without without sort of knowing. I was just having a little look through the the um, jumbo shrimp sort of um, pitching stats the other day, and um, I because I'd, I'd watched quite a few games and I'd watched Parker Bug pitch. I've watched a few others. And, and there's nobody at the moment that, uh, or Sean Morimondo obviously came up for a little while. Um, Josh A. Smith's had a, had, a, had a couple of starts and he's looked pretty good. And, um, you know, there, there are other options in there. Daniel Castano, we know about him as well. But nothing at the moment feels like the excitement you get with someone like Sixto coming through. You feel like they're, you know, they're just to make up the numbers. So I've, I'm actually almost gone full circle to where I was in the last podcast. I was on saying, no, you don't need to trade for a pitcher. I wonder whether they do. What about, uh, you weren't on the last pod. Me, me and Sean and Eli got into it a little bit, but um, what about a, a reunion with our man Jose Orrenia? Uh, he got blew up this week, by the way, which you may or may not have seen. Yeah, I did see that. He, uh, otherwise, he's been really <laughs> good with, with Detroit. But De- Detroit are a funny old side, aren't they? Because they're... They're in that kind of, they're sort of like a year or two behind us type thing. Yeah. Um, 
And um, the same thing goes with, with Baltimore as well. So they have, you know, good times and they just then just fall away badly. Um, so he, he's not someone who's going, he's getting uh, masses and amounts of support. But, um, yeah, um, I, I think those times are gone. I think there's some... There's I think you're probably right, to be Halcyon fair. days of, of Jose Urania. I think you're probably right. But I did want to come into something. You mentioned about the three, the three studs, the three aces, as, as Lee Dobbs would call them. And he wasn't wrong, by the way. Um, but it makes me kind of segues me slightly into the all-star voting, which is ongoing now. And we've had the kind of first wash of, you know, who's where and who's in what position. Um, Sean Barrett, first off, um, should, should all-star selections come down to fan voting first and foremost? That's the top level question for you, buddy. Should it be a popularity contest? Basically, well, it's, the bigger franchises have the biggest fan bases, so they have the more votes for players that may or may not be deserving. So let's get into that topic first. I I think so, yes. I think ultimately it's a shame that the small market teams, their star players aren't getting that recognition. But the All-Star game is a made-for-TV exhibition uh, game for the, for the league. It's there to sell sponsorship. They, they're not going to have, you know, Jazz Chisholm to start in shortstop. There's going to be, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be someone like Tatis or Lindor. It's, it gets bums on seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sells sponsorship. Is it fair? No. But if you look through the years of history of, with uh, Major League Baseball and you look at some of the players who got Golden Gloves that maybe didn't deserve a Golden Glove, but they got mm-hmm. it because they were the star player, it's a means to an end, but I think ultimately, yeah, small market teams like the Marlins were always going to have that gripe of, oh, but look, our guys are also playing well. No one really pays attention to us, if we're being brutally honest. Uh, it's been nice to see some of the push that Jazz gets from Major League. Um, they've, they've definitely, I've definitely seen some, you know, some promotion of him through the league. So that's that's a good thing for the team. But no, we're going to get our league-mandated one all-star um, every year. And and this year, it's it's Rodgers. He's, he's the guy that's going to get it for sure. Yeah, you're going for Rodgers? 100%. 100% Rodgers. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Clearly, he's having a, you know, he's one rookie of the month, uh, you know, two months in a row. And there's only two months that's passed, so uh, he's 100% record there. I know Jazz will be uh, gunning for him, no doubt. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. It wouldn't shock me if um, it, it's uh, all the way. What's the right right description? Line to line, Marlins players that win Rookie of the Month. It, it'll mix and match maybe between Trevor and, and Jazz, but wouldn't shock me if it was only Marlins players that won it throughout the whole season. And then it's just a straight up dogfight for who takes it. Why not get? Why not let uh, Jesus have it in July? Oh, well, there we go. I mean, I'd, I'd absolutely love that. And maybe Blade comes and takes it in September. I don't. Who knows? I mean, we're spitballing now. I mean, well, I mean, Eddie Cabrera could come and take it in September. Sixto would come and take it in September. But yeah, it's you know, it's it's funny because for me, the one, you know, the best, the highest voted player. Position player was 
Jesus Aguilar, who's fifth in uh, in first baseman. So that's respectable. Um, Max Muncie leads the way by, well, he's got four times more votes than than, than Aguilar. Uh, Muncie's been great. So, okay. Um, Jazz appears on the second base list. Jazz is 10th in second base voting. Clearly, he's had a couple of stints on the IL. He's got 70,000 votes. Ozzy Albies leads the way at 295,000. So you've got a top three there of Albies, Adam Frazier, and Gavin Lux. Um, and then a whole plethora of dudes in between that. Uh, but Jazz Chisholm, 10th. Here's the one for me, though. Outfielders. I'm looking at the top 20. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. No Starling Marte in the top 20. Boy, oh boy. I mean, you've got Yelich in there at 11th. Christian Yelich at 11th. He's only played five games. How's Yelich 11th on the, you know, this is just a shocker for me. Um, and this is the thing, like, does anyone care? I don't know, but I think the players care. I think to be voted an all-star, I think does mean something clearly. Like, And the reality is the small market teams, they, the players don't really have a chance um, in any of this kind of fan voting thing. What's your, what's your take on it, Rob? Well, it's the problem being a, a Marlins fan because it's always, always really been the case. Um, I suppose maybe the year we had Stanton and, and stuff. That was more, more the home run derby than anything else, sort of Stanton and Bohr. But um, I really couldn't care less. <laughs> I, just, I don't like the game. I've, 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 I think they're boring. I think they're just exhibition games. And yes, it does mean something to the players. Quite clearly, you get your all-star. That's one of the stats they always bring up on someone's career, how many times they're an all-star. Yeah. It's, it's a big thing for them. It's a big special occasion. But as a spectacle, I think it's rubbish. Yeah, I just don't enjoy it at all. And you're right about some of the voting is absolutely ridiculous. We've seen this year on year. You know, we've had sort of players voted on all star games who've spent most of the year injured and stuff like that. It just it, it depends. And you know, Ozzy Albies, yeah, he's 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 a decent player, but you know, Braves have massive fan base, so he's always going to be up there. It doesn't matter if he was hitting one fifty, um, he'd still be probably above Jazz. It's yeah. um, it just I just I I I look at it and I roll my eyes. I don't even vote in it anymore. It just doesn't seem just I've got better things to do. No, not a chance. I mean, for me, it's it's this outfield cluster that is that's the one when you've got. I mean, on this top twenty list here, you've got that Guillermo Heredia, the Braves backup center fielder, effectively, that's kind of dropped in and played a few games because they've got no center fielder. He's 19th on the list, this dude. You've got the whole of the Cubs outfield on the list. Like, Starling Marte is not in the top 20 at this point. Starling Marte is a better outfielder than... I mean, okay, there's some really good outfielders in, in the NL, clearly, right? I mean, we, we know that. Acuna, Soto, I mean, there's, there's Harper. There's tons of dudes Marte is a top five outfielder this year. Um, you know, that is what it is. So, uh, you know, that, that for me kind of signifies it. I think that's enough on, on the all-star voting. Listen, on fan votes, it's always going to be skewed by the size of the fan bases. And, you know, it's a popularity contest and whatnot. Um, you know, the, the, the method of the voting too, that you have like, what, five votes a day and you can just keep coming back and piling in and piling in. 
doesn't make any sense. It compounds the problem. Vote. It totally compounds vote. the problem. Because if you if you've got a bigger fan base than another team, then you're just compounding the problem by five. Yeah. I'm just, I just, it's absolute garbage. I, who's, I, who's your Marlins all-star this year, Rob? Um, I will go with Rogers. I just think he's been just mega, mega impressive. Um, you know, Jazz has been incredible. Um but um, you know, Alcantara's been great, and you know, there's you know, there's quite a few players to, to choose from there. But um, you know, even Jesus Aguilar, I've, I've thought a lot of this year. Um, He's the RBI leader in the NL, so you know. Well, yeah, you know that that's that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, it, it, it's impressive. But I think Trevor Rogers just took us. I think we knew he was good, but he's really took us by surprise because at the moment. If the season, if this was short season, it stopped tomorrow. I know who'd be taking the ball on opening day. Wow, big call. I mean, I put out there on Twitter, you know, with a bit of fun, tongue in cheek or whatever. But I, I honestly believe there's six guys that are in the conversation at least that are worthy of discussion. Not saying they should be an all star at their position. I'm saying the six, six dudes for me: Aguilar, Jazz. And um, Aguilar, Jazz, and Marte from the hitting side, and then the, the top three dudes—they're all in the conversation. They—they they should all be discussion points. But I think you know Trevor will get it because you know he's had a fantastic year, and you know he's won Rookie of the Month two years in a row. So I think it'll be the logical pick. But you know, there's enough guys in there, and I guess that's the, that kind of epitomizes the Marlins in many ways for we've got guys that have performed to the level, but the drop-off has been so stark to the other guys. That's the problem. It's just the consistency at that lower end. It, the drop-off's just been too big. And, you know, some of the fun, I, I think, to be honest, Rob, the point you made earlier about this base running, like last year, that was what the Marlins were about. They ran the bases aggressively, but they ran them well. And it won them games. Like, that's how you win tight games. You run, you create, you know, anxiety for the other team. You, you, you manufacture runs. And really, it's kind of gone out of this team this year. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I feel like the intensity's kind of dropped off. You know, when you're in the 162 versus 60, your intensity kind of dips away a bit. Oh, we've always got tomorrow. And the problem is, there's, you know, the amount of tomorrows you have kind of run out and you're 10 under 500 and you kind of look around and go, holy shit, we've got six guys in the all-star consideration, but we're goosed this year. We're goosed. And that's that's the problem. The drop-off is just too stark um, to some of these guys. Like Isan Diaz is playing every day and hit 150. Um, you know, that's just not good enough. So I've gone on a rant then. I didn't mean to, but I, I had to. So there we go. I feel better for it. Guys, let's finish on a, on a, on a, a fun note. Ish. Let's look ahead. Um, we've obviously had a good week last week, I think. Two series wins. Beat the Rockies. you, you got to beat the Rockies. Beat the Braves. Eli called it. We're going four and two. Four and two it was. Good week. Tough road trip again. Three in St. Louis. Three in Chicago. Two top ballparks to go and visit and play in. Fan bases are going to be pumping. Great to see Trevor, Sandy finishing off this series now. One down already. Um, Sean Barrett, how do you see the rest of this week playing out? Well, just to go a little bit back on to last week, yeah, I mean, you know, the Rockies were who we thought they were. 
and you know, a series win there and a good series win against Atlanta. And that's that's off the back of the pitching again. I mean, we had that one game where we, we hit six RBIs in one inning. Um, and, you know, other than that, the offence has been pretty stilted. But the pitching is what's saving us. And I think it'll be the same thing this week. Like you said, we've got Pablo and Rogers um, going in this series. And then we've got, no, sorry, we've got Rogers and Sandy in the rest of this series. And then Pablo and Rogers in the next. They're, they're four games out of five that I think we have to say we, we could absolutely win those games. Um, you know, they every time I say it, nearly every week, I think, um, and I'll keep saying it until it stops being the case. When those three are pitching, I, I will watch thinking we can win this game. Yeah. And as long as that continues, then, you know, we'll have a good season. Absolutely. Listen, I'm going to sound a klaxon. It's been a while, but I'm going to sound one. Woo, woo, woo. We have a lineup in. Jesus Sanchez is up. Confirmed officially up and starts tonight in left field, as expected. Duval's in right field and is hitting in the five spot. Duval shuffles up to clean up. And Jesus Sanchez in the five hole. Sandy Leon doing the catching. I'm interested to see. I think when Alfaro's back, he may hit in the five spot. But uh, with Sandy going, there you go. So Jazz, Marte, Aguilar, Duval, and Jesus Sanchez. That's your top five. And Birdie in the sixth spot. I'm playing second base. So uh, with that bombshell, that klaxon, Rob, um, how are you feeling about the week ahead? Um, the, the thing is with, I'm going to kind of go in reverse because <laughs> Toronto and the Cubs are, you know, they're, they're on fairly decent form. You know, Bryant's amazing for the, the Cubs. But, but the Cubs have a, a Pitching issues, I think injuries uh, have, have caused them. Uh, you know, like sort of uh, Trevor Williams, etc., have been a bit of a nightmare for them. And and sort of Hendricks and Zach Davies not being very consistent. So there, there is, there is, a, they're there for the taking. They're in a really sort of tight league, but they're they seem to be powering through games. I've caught a couple of Cubs games and they seem to be quite potent at the moment. So that's something to, to be uh, slightly wary of. The In regards to, I thought we, we've covered how disappointing so I think last night was where the game we should have kind of won, but it is now there for the taking really because the, um, their next two starters, um, Kim and, and Oviedo, have, have been sort of, up and down, especially Oviedo's been poor in these couple of starts he's had. So um, I think they and, and the fact we're rocking up with Rogers and Alcantara, although I did find it slightly strange last week that, you know, I, I thought last week was great, the fact that we've just sort of turned things around and that was really, really good. But, um, you know, you have Zach Thompson making that incredible start and then Lopez having an, having an issues. So it kind of went the wrong way around. So we can't always trust that it's still going to fall that way. But I can still, I, I, I think we should have won last night. And I don't, and St. Louis don't look mega confident. So I kind of hope that we can get that one, two, one. The Cubs, I think, are going to be quite hard. Um, so I may see that as a two, one reverse. And then, um, yeah, Toronto's actually next week. I'm, I'm jumping a week ahead, aren't I? So, right. um, yeah. You got, you, but, got, you got your Cardinals, you got your Cubs. Listen, we, we saw the Cubs, you know, they, they won the division last year. We had the wild card game and or the wild card series and and beat them. They're ten games over five hundred at the moment. The Cubs thirty eight and twenty eight. 
So on the face of it, they're playing good ball. I've not seen any Cubs. So I'm going to wait to see with my own eyes to see what they're like. A bit like the Red Sox. Like I saw the Red Sox's record. I watched the Red Sox. I'm calling them out what they are. They're, they're average. The pitching's average. That's the problem. I think that's the point you're making about the Cubs. At some yeah. point, at some point, things will normalize and you'll get caught out um, with the pitching. Another or, or Hendricks will Hendricks will be amazing again, and well, they, they'll pick it pick it back up. Uh, but yeah, it, one of the two things will will happen with the Cubs in that division. But the that division is really really strange because like the Brewers with all their injury problems yeah. are are rocking it as well. It's a it's a it's what's a going on league. that division exactly? The the Brew Crew, you know, they've been running out a terrible lineup, injuries everywhere. They're on fire. The Cubs are on fire. The Cardinals have gone backwards. They I mean, before we get into this quickly, there's a double klaxon. So, woo, 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 another one, another klaxon. We should have recorded this podcast an hour later because Braxton Garrett has been optioned as well. So you've got the corresponding move here. Corey Dickerson, 10-day IL. Jesus Sanchez up. Optioned also Braxton Garrett. Also back up. Who are you going with? Sweet Lou. <laughs> Oh boy, sweet Lou up, Jesus Sanchez up. So all of a sudden, we have just we're playing a, a four-man outfield, I guess, for the next few weeks and three-man infield or whatever, because we've still got no infielders. Um uh, on the on the call today, uh, Donnie did allude to the fact that in an emergency, Jesus Aguilar is the emergency third baseman. So uh, you know, we'll look out for that. Guys, I've got to say, I expect us to win these last two Cardinals games. We'll be in them. We should be in them. I felt exactly the same against the Cards earlier in the year when we played them at home and they swept us. I came away really deflated after that series. Somehow they found a way to win and was really disappointed. So I'm nervously optimistic about that one. The Cubs is interesting because of the history. I'm not clear how the pitching will line up. Clearly Pablo will be going in one of them. Um, and I guess you may end up with two none of the studs. So that Cubs series will probably be tricky with a Pablo, Zach Thompson. Mm. It should be Rogers for the final game. We'll get back around to Rogers because there's a, because there's a day off. Yeah, day off. Okay, yeah, you got the off day. Okay, fine. So you get back to Trevor. Fine. So that, okay, that I mean, I feel a little bit better about it. But um, you know, I want to see what the Cubs have got. I think it's going to be. Interesting to see what the Cubs are. Um, but I think we take this Cardinal series just about. We win the next two. And then I think we coin it's a coin flipper. Coin flipper there. Uh listen, we're gonna win that series too. Bollocks to it. Bollocks to it. We're gonna win that. We're gonna have another same same week as last week, four and two on the road. So that'll be nice. Right, let's round up with the usual spot. Emoji of the week. Emojis, emojis. What have we got? Uh, Rob Newell, emoji at the ready? I do have an emoji at the ready, and it's, it's, it's nothing really to do with the, the Marlins this week. It's, a, it's, an, it's an American football, and it's for touchdown Tommy Eveld. Oh. Getting a save for the, uh, the Jumbo Shrimp against Norfolk Tides last Friday. Watch that game. Very much enjoyed it. Really good game. 6-4. Um, also within that, um, uh, uh, 
there was uh, standout performances all around, but especially Bryson Brigman, who ended up with four hits on that game um, and uh, uh, with, with two RBIs, um, uh, Justin Twine home run as well. But seeing the Ebel come back from injury, up to the jumbo shrimp and, and getting the save uh, was really, really good. But um, yeah, uh, Brigman is, uh, for if you want it, some infield help, which is on fire at the moment. Um, he's hitting over 300 and is looking amazing. I think he, he the infield um, at the bat is really, really confident, but he's not on the 40, man. And that's the problem, right? I, I mean, I think the plan is clearly, like, I think Miggy Rowe plays one game. What? I think there's an off day. Is it an off day today for the shrimp? Oh. Either way, Miggy is due to play. They obviously had one rained out, I think. When was that? I'm losing track of days. Sunday, maybe. It was rained out. Then they had an off day. Maybe Miggy's playing today. I haven't seen it, but Miggy could be playing today. I, I think Miggy will be back with the team in, in Chicago, personally. I think that's the plan. Um, so I think that kind of alleviates some of these challenges. Miggy be back in shortstop. Jazz will slide to second. Birdie and Isan can, can platoon third, I guess, and and then sounds like we've got a plethora of outfielders now. Malte, we know will be every day, but you're then into what you're into. You're into a Brinson, Jesus Sanchez platoon. Is that what you're going to have? I guess you are. So I don't know where Mags, Mags will fit in somewhere, but, you know, who knows? I mean, listen, the good thing is from yesterday, we've added two bats. We've added two healthy bats. One is starting and one is on the bench. So that's a good, that's a good sign. Um, and with that, that actually is my emoji, the bats, because for the first time in a long, long time, and Sean, I'll get it, you can come after me with this one. But that game on Sunday, I was watching that game and the Marlins were trailing all the way, but all game long, I've not felt this all year, I wouldn't say, where I felt like four runs or whatever it was, three, four. Normally you think that's unassailable with our, with our lineup, but I, I didn't feel that way. I felt like we've turned the corner offensively. I feel like the bats are heating up. I know that the lineup's still a little bit kind of mishmash with injuries, but I felt for the first time in a long time when we're down big that we had a chance to come back, truly. So mine's the bats. I think the bats are heating up. Sean Barrett, round us off. So I actually came prepared for once and had one before the podcast. Lovely. And mine is the Great British, well, the UK flag. Um, flying it two reasons. One, we've also got Scotland, England and Wales. I don't know why you use Scotland first, but we've got the three teams playing in the Euros. <laughs> uh, we've also got three UK friendly games in the next five. Oh, beautiful. So, uh, yeah, it's a good week for UK and European uh, sports fans. Absolutely. Uh, you're right, mate. We've got the day game tomorrow to round off this series, the travel day. Um, and then we've got nice Saturday, nice Sunday, right? That's right, yeah. Slightly, yeah, the 7-10s. So I guess because we're on more central time zones, isn't there? That's why we haven't got the 6 10 But yeah, good call. Good call. Three of the next five we're going to be watching. Um, so beer, up, beer intake could be up. We'll see. Um, but guys, I think in summary, when I look back, We've won two series on the bounce. You know, you've won a Rocky series, you've got to win. And you've won a Brave series that, you know, the Braves have had our number the last few years. We've really struggled against them. And we're actually 
we flipped the script on the Braves, which is great. They look at they look in a bit of a mess, if I'm honest. Like they're they're struggling. So what did I predict at the start of the season? Yeah, you did. So, you did. You were on the Braves over the Braves. I, I remember us with that with that prediction show. I was I remember I was very bullish about the Braves, and then by the end of it, I came around going, "Hold on a minute, I think the Braves are going to be terrible as well." I think we all kind of talked each other around on that one, but yeah, they look in a bit of a mess. But um, you know, it's great to win the series. We need to get some wins against this Central Division. This NL Central, at the start of the year, you think they're there for the taking. But we're not playing well against any of the Central teams. Like the Pirates beat us. Cardinals swept us earlier in the year. Cardinals have beaten us now. Um, the Brew Crew, is, they were you know, split series. So we've not played the Central well. We should be because, listen, it's not great. It isn't. So let's hope for bigger things. Guys, We've ran way over. We said we'd go 35 minutes, 40 minutes, and we've done the usual hour, I think. So I will just say one thing. It is Rojas does start for the Jumbo Shrimp, but short stop tonight uh, with Bryson Brigman at third base. So even more universal. Um, you know, uh, he, he can uh, slot in there. Uh, Morimando is on the mound. There you go. I think Miggy Rowe will be in Chicago. I think he will join the team there. Um, so let's see how it goes. Hopefully all's well, because listen, with those fingers, it's, you won't know until you know, until you're in the game and you're lunging to try and make a grab and then zing it to first base. He, he won't have simulated that in like real live speed, or he won't have simulated a 90 something fastball that goes up inside and catches him you know, when he kind of shanks it and you get all the vibes up the bat and whatever that you do. So, you know, it's it's hard. You know, he's, he's going to be having BP and hitting the machine, which is more controlled. So anyway, guys, it's been a lot of fun. The hour, of course, was was reached as it was. Of course, it would be. I was blaming Lee Dobbs that he always went overtime, but I've, it clearly isn't Lee Dobbs. So and we'll, we'll hopefully welcome Lee back next week. He's had some technical challenges the last few weeks. Effectively, his, uh, his device has blown up and given up on him. So he is, uh, he's got an order coming from AO.com, I believe, um, on its way. So hopefully he'll be deviced up. And we're only two, two podcasts out from 100 guys. So you know, stay tuned, everyone, to uh, episode 100 and the plans. We've, we've got some real big plans for that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it may be ambitious, so it may be a three-parter, but you know, we'll see how we go. Um, but Sean... Rob, appreciate the time as always, guys. Episode 98 is in the books. Let's go and get after these cards. Let's pile into Chicago. Miggy Rowe back in town. And let's get that series too. Let's go fish. Speak soon, guys. <laughs> <laughs>